It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Hey, everybody, it's Rico Bronia time. Evan Roberts, Pete Hoffman talking New York Mets baseball. I do want to start, and we'll make our roster predictions before the spring training games start. What will this 26-man roster look like? We'll be wrong, but it's worth a guess. It's worth a try. I want to start off with Max Scherzer. So Andy Martino, to his credit, uh, had an interview with Max Scherzer in which Andy asks Max a very basic question, which is, Hey, Max, you have an opt-out at, at the end of the year. Are you going to opt out? We obviously remember Jacob DeGrom was very honest a year ago. He said, yes, I'm going to opt out. He called a shot. Manny Machado, a few days ago for the San Diego Padres, very honest, said, yeah, I'm going to opt out. Max Scherzer had an interesting answer, and there's been a very interesting response by people in terms of how they're reacting to his answer. So I'm going to read you the exact quote, and then we'll discuss. We'll also get to Carlos Beltran, who met the media and is now in Mets camp, and then obviously the roster stuff. So Max Scherzer says to Andy Martino, quote, you have to understand the context of why I negotiated that in and the context of where we are now. Remember, Scherzer signed a three-year deal with the opt-out after year two, which is what we're looking at right now. He's about to begin year two. I wanted to pursue a championship in that third year, and that's where an opt-out to me made sense. But obviously, Steve Cohen has demonstrated that we're going to be trying to win a World Series. We're going to do whatever it takes to win. But when I'm stepping in, I got to have the insurance because talk is cheap, right? You got to see the proof in the pudding, and we have now seen what Steve has done. I knew Jake had an out, Scherzer said. It was, if Jake cops out, you didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know where the Mets would be as an organization. A big draw for me to come to New York was the chance to pitch with him. And here he has an opt-out in year one. If he did take it and go elsewhere, what's the organization going to do? Scherzer then chuckles. I got the answer. Obviously, the Mets went out and signed Justin Verlander. It's become a business situation. We will cross that bridge at a different time. At the end of the year, it'll get taken care of. I'm not thinking about it. Obviously, you go through six months of the baseball season, anything can change. So it's not even worth to a comment on whether I'm going to use it or not. I'm not even thinking about it because when I negotiated it in, the reasoning for it was what I wouldn't be stuck in an organization that wasn't moving in the right direction. All right, we're almost done. It's interesting, though, and we'll examine a lot of this. Uh If we get into a situation in November where things have changed, Scherzer said before trailing off, I'm not even thinking about opting out or opting in. I'm just thinking about playing baseball. So Max Scherzer gives a really interesting answer to the whole opt-out thing. Basically, he didn't trust the Mets, is what he was saying. Like, Steve Cohen was talking a big game, and he was offering me a lot of money, but I honestly didn't know hey, is this an organization I want to be a part of? I think that's a very intriguing answer. I think it's an honest answer. I got no problem with the answer. I really don't. I I don't have any problem right now with what Max Scherzer had to say. The problem I'm noticing is how people are looking at Max Scherzer's long-winded answer and saying, that's why I love Max Scherzer. He's the anti-DeGrom. He's the anti-Machado. 
He's talking about winning. That's his priority. He doesn't care about the opt-in or the opt-out. First of all, here's why that's a bunch of crap, all right? Max Scherzer never gave us an answer. The difference between Max Scherzer and Manny Machado is that Manny Machado just told us to deal. He said, yeah, I'm opting out. I'm going to be a free agent because it would be a dumb business decision not to be a free agent. Jacob DeGrom did the same thing a year ago. I know that pissed people off, but he was just being honest. Like, yeah, I'm going to opt out. You asked me a question. I'm going to answer it. I'm going to opt out. I don't even have to make more than 11 starts, and it's going to make sense financially for me to opt out. So I have no issue with what Max Scherzer said. I actually think it's really interesting. But a part of the reaction I've seen is to put Max on a pedestal. Like Max did something special here. Max didn't do anything special. First of all, he didn't answer the question. And he really did. And he kicked the can down the road and gave you this BS of him not thinking about it. Listen, he's going to make a business decision. That's what he's going to do. If Max Scherzer has a good year, and I hope he does, he's going to opt out. Why? Because it's stupid not to. Because he's not going to sit on a one-year $42 million deal when he could get a two-year $90 million deal. Or dare I say a three-year deal. Or even if it's just more money next season. So Max Scherzer could have said that. He could have just been brutally honest as the businessman that he is. But he gave a lot of this other background, which is fine. I believe that that was there for a reason. I do think that even if, like Max is competitive enough where I'll give him this. I think there's a chance if he didn't like what he saw from the organization, he was going to try to get the hell out of here. Now, would he had done that off of a horrible season where he wouldn't become close to earning 40 plus million dollars? Probably not. But I do understand the idea of he's protecting himself from the organization that he's not aware of. But Max Scherzer just didn't give us an answer. He talked a lot. He used a lot of words. He gave red meat to a lot of us Met fans, and a lot of it is red meat. But quite frankly, unlike Manny Machado and Jacob deGrom, he wasn't direct. He gave us 150 words without saying anything. Your thoughts? So I I don't disagree with you because I, I, you're right. Like he said a, a, a lot of nothing. What he did talk about was winning and the competitive stuff. So to, to Mets fans, it's automatically going to go to, dude, that's what I want to hear from my player is we're going to, we're, we're looking to win. And he's choosing not to even think about opting out because this might be the best place to win. But you're right. The, here's the difference between Machado and DeGrom and Scherzer. Machado and DeGrom were going to get a buttload of money. And it's, it's for them, it, no doubt about it. They need to sign a big long-term contract. You're right. Scherzer could, can opt out after next year. But it's still not going to be like a five or six year deal that he's looking for. It might still be a two year deal, one year deal, whatever. So I, I don't anything that he says about contract extension or whatever. It's kind of null because it's not really this huge contract we're looking at compared to Machado and Degrom. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you that Max's decision from a business standpoint to opt in or out is a little bit more complicated than Machado and DeGrom because it's not as obvious today before the season even starts. Because, look, if Max Scherzer's not healthy this season or Max Scherzer has a bad season which and he's ineffective, he's not going to opt out because it would be stupid to. He's not going to walk away from the guaranteed $42.5 million. 
I think Manny Machado is bulletproof. Like he could have a mediocre season and it could still make sense for him to opt out. DeGrom's a great example of it. He barely pitched. And when he did, he was good. No stretch, no, no question. But it's not like he had some kind of dominant season when he did pitch. And he opted out and look what he got. <laughs> we got a five-year deal off of a year in which he wasn't healthy. So I agree from a business standpoint, we're going to have to see what kind of year Max has. But this whole winning thing, look, the Mets win the World Series. They win the World Series. And Max Scherzer wins the National League Cy Young. Folks, he's opting out. He is. Like, you can give me all the winning you want. He's going to opt out. He's not off a Cy Young season going to say, well, I love what Steve's doing. I'm good. Now, will he want to stay? Yeah. Will he go to Cohen and say, hey, tack on a second year, tack on a third year, and I'm good to go. I won't even go to free agency. Yes. Could it be a CC Sabathia thing when he signed his second contract with the Yankees? Where clearly CC wanted to stay. Just make sure you give me what I deserve. Yeah. But I, Max did nothing wrong. I'll make that clear. I don't even mind that he didn't give us an answer. Doesn't have to give us an answer. I just think that there was like a back massage for Max Scherzer over the last day, whether it was on SNY or it was on Twitter, like, oh, this is my guy. Love this. This is great. This is Scherzer, the culture changer. Like, he just didn't give you an answer. You didn't like the answer that Machado and DeGrom gave. DeGrom's different because he was a Matt Machado we probably don't even care about. But they were just being honest. So basically, we are penalizing Manny Machado and Jacob DeGrom for giving an honest answer, which is, yes, I'm going to opt out. But what I, I will disagree with you on is he did give a little message to the fans and to Cohen, basically like, I gave, I wanted to, like you said, like he kind of wanted to test the water, see what, if Cohen was serious. He's serious enough, and he still might be serious enough to sign extension with the Mets when time, push comes to shove because they're legit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, he gave Steve Cohen a ringing endorsement, like we all are, for their spending. For the fact that even though they lost Jacob DeGrom, they within three days responded with the defending reigning American League Cy Young Award winner. That they lost Chris Bassett or chose to walk away from Chris Bassett and replaced him with, uh, you know, the Nolan Ryan of Japan, essentially, in Kodai Senga. I'm not saying he is, but you know what I mean? Like a big investment that, okay, we'll replace Taiwan Walker with Jose Quintana. Yeah, I think Max Scherzer is happy with the fact that Steve Cohen's expenditures wasn't just about him. No doubt about it. And look, we all feel that way. We all feel good about where this organization is going. The Scherzer thing is so fascinating to me because we want him to opt out. I want to make that clear. It is good for us if Max Scherzer opts out because it means he had a great year. If he has a great year, that's good for all of us. So I am rooting for Max Scherzer to opt out because that's, a good sign for what happened to the Mets in 2023. If he doesn't opt out, something went wrong. Let's be honest. Like Max Scherzer either wasn't healthy or he wasn't effective. And here's what's crazy about this. And we're not going to spend too much time on it, but I just want to put this out there in your head. If Max Scherzer opts out, even off a great year, I may be willing to walk away. I may be willing to say, you know what? I got two good years out of them. There's other pitchers I may want to target other younger pitchers I may want to target. And I'm ready to move on because there's not, barring a world championship, I think a world championship changes everything. There's no emotional attachment to Max Scherzer. He's a hired gun. And I want him to be as effective as possible. And I want him to win, but he's a mercenary. It's all he is right now. 
that's what he is. So he could have that great year. And there's a chance we're going to be sitting here during the offseason saying, you know what? Thank you for your time. Let's move on. That's on the table. Who's better? This That's the discussion that we talked about with the Grom, right? And I got this a conversation for another day. But if you're going to say that, who's better? We let Jacob DeGrom walk away. AL Cy Young Award winner Justin Verlander walked through the door. If we say goodbye to Max Scherzer, who's walking through the door? Great. I'll give you the list. I'm glad you asked. Uh, <laughs> Shohei Otani is a free agent. I hear he's pretty good. I am very high on Luis Severino, and that has nothing to do with any Yankee connection. I think he's going to have a great year this year, and he's still relatively young. Julio Urias is pretty good. Aaron Nola is pretty good. Lucas Giolito is pretty good. Uh, that's a couple of names, right? It's not bad. You like those names? Good names for you? I, I like what I don't trust Severino's injury issues. I don't. And Lucas Giolito sucked last year. He was garbage. So let's I get it, but you're cool. also – you're also talking about what will be a 40-year-old Max Scherzer. So I think that's the other factor you have to play into this. Look, bottom line is, it was interesting what he said. I don't even have a huge issue with what he said. I guess I have an issue with waxing poetic about what he said, as if he's something amazingly different and special. There are two guys that just told you the truth, whether you liked it or not, in DeGrom and Machado. And here's Max Scherzer writing a book report about his opt-out, okay? <laughs> That's the difference. <laughs> now, let's get to Beltron. Beltron met the media, and I listened to every uh, second of his interview. Here's what I learned about Carlos Beltron. He wants to be a manager at the major league level. And that's what this is about. And I respect that. I got no issue with that either. Uh, Carlos Beltron is in Met camp. He said great things about his history with the Mets and being a Met. But he wants to manage. And I don't know if that's ever going to happen here. I kind of hope it doesn't because I want Buck to be successful. Kind of like the whole Scherzer thing. If Buck's successful, Buck may want to manage till he's 90, and I'm okay with that. He can manage as long as he wants. It's not like Brody Van Wagenen's around here anymore who potentially fires people because they're old. I have to use an allegedly. Let me, hold on. Allegedly fires people because they're old. Like, if the Mets are winning, Buck should be the guy for the next 25 years. He can be manager until he's 100 for all I care, but Beltran wants to manage. And I think that's a part of why he's getting involved in this front office and a part of why he's at spring training. And he deserves that opportunity. I think what may be difficult for him is that in order to get the managerial job, I think he's going to have to coach. I don't know if being in the front office necessarily is going to help him get to where he wants to go as quickly as being on a coaching staff. But good for Carlos. Good to have him around. I think he can only offer good advice to guys on this roster. Lindor was brutally honest about the boos he faced in his first year with the Mets. And that talking to Carlos Beltran helps. And why wouldn't it? Carlos Beltran's got great experience with that. He's got great experience with being on a team with expectations. That 06, 07, 08, even 09, though they were bad in 09, those teams had huge expectations. The 2015 team didn't. And we think about that team with the success that it had. It did not have huge expectations coming into the season. We were just hopeful they'd be above 500 and be in a pennant race. So Beltron not only knows about the booze here, he knows about expectations. He knows about coming into a season with championship expectations, which the Mets pretty much had during that three- or four-year run. You can go back into the archives of Rico Bronia. We did an entire podcast about the history of Mets 
expectations. So download that if you haven't listened to it. One other thing, and then we'll get to this roster stuff, even though this is connected to the roster stuff. How about the fact that Darren Ruff's got a bad wrist? I mean, you can't make this crap up. That Darren Ruff needs a cortisone shot in his wrist. He's limited in spring training so far. It's just, I mean, Pete, this stuff writes itself. This guy can't even, this guy can't even come into spring training with the positive story about best shape of my life. He can't even give us that. I really wanted to, when I saw the news, I really wanted to tweet something nasty about him, but I don't hate Darren Ruff personally. So it's not in my blood to do that. But at this point in time, like there's no reason to sit here and wait. I mean, what? So you could put him maybe on the IL for a little bit to start the season off. Like, what are we doing with Darren Ruff? The fact that the guy is not healthy. He didn't have a good season last year with us. It it just, if there's so much bad vibes around Darren Ruff, it's best to cut ties, no? Yeah, it's this is the time of year where Aaron Hicks has a positive story written about him. Oh, I learned my lessons from last year. I'm in the best shape of my life. Mentally, I'm ready to go. And you know what? If you're a Yankee fan, you could say, okay, maybe I could talk myself into it. Josh Donaldson, best shape of my life. And I, I don't mean to pick on the Yankees, but they are the other team in town, and they've got positive stories. Like, this guy's going to turn it around. The manager's even saying, yeah, you'd be crazy not to think he's going to turn it around. And whether you believe it or not, it's at least in the atmosphere on February 23rd, right? Darren Roth can't even have that. <laughs> and I, I shouldn't laugh because I feel bad. I don't want this guy to have a bad wrist. Like, I got nothing personal against Darren Ruff. But this is supposed to be the time of year where, da- where there's an article written about Darren Ruff that nobody reads. But it's a puff piece that says... <laughs> Boy, Darren, he has been killing it in batting practice. Boy, you got to see what he's doing off these machines. Okay, this this machine it actually throws left-handed. It throws like 98-mile-an-hour splitters. doesn't matter. Darren Ruff's ripping that crap up the alley. Like, we have never seen a guy hit a machine, a batting machine, the way Darren Ruff is destroying this batting machine. And we're supposed to read that article. Spend three minutes on it on the Rico bro, and you laugh at it, but say, ah, you never know. Maybe he's got to figure it out. Meanwhile, the reality is we got to hear about his wrist and how it's effed up. That's what we got to hear about. So, boy, it's tough to ever be confident that this guy's going to be competent for the Mets. Jeez. No, it's terrible. It's funny because I did see a puff piece on somebody, not not in the, on the offensive, but uh, on the pitching, relief pitcher wise. I was like, oh, interesting. Okay, maybe we'll see him in the on the on the roster, opening day roster. So that that's it's it. Listen, I was waiting for that from Darren Ruff. I was waiting for the puff piece. Didn't happen. It's the opposite. No, I know we can't even have that, and it, it sucks for him, man. In all seriousness, like I don't think anybody listening right now, as critical as we are about Darren Ruff, we have nothing personal against this guy. I'd love if he's awesome. Like, uh, that'd be great. That'd be amazing. I know it would be difficult because you'd have to get past the fact he's on the opening day roster and our anger at that. But if on opening day, you know, he's not going to play on opening day, but you know what I mean? Like the second game of the year, he goes three for four, quiets us a little bit, and you get off to some kind of crazy start, we'd all be happy. Like, we just want the team to be successful. And it's it's not that he's some kind of jerk or anything. It's that he sucks. That's all it is. It's just that he was... <laughs> I can't be any more blunt about it. It's just because I was bad last year. 
Yeah, I, I that's think, what it is. I think a lot of people take our criticism of of athletes as sometimes personal digs. It's like it's not a personal dig at all. If no. it turned if it turned around and the guy freaking hit fifteen home runs a season as a uh, as a DH, unbelievable. And it goes with anybody else. It's just over. It's the over criticization of like the fact like Lindor. Everyone was on his ass the first season he was with the Mets. Everyone was over I like the top. That. You created a word, and I think it's awesome. Criticization. I think we should uh, we should copyright that, man. I, like I think that. I think Russo's used that once or twice. Criticization. Oh, <laughs> yes. Hey, sometimes you can create a word. President Bush created strategery. I think it's great. And speaking of strategery, I tried to put together what I think the 26-man roster is going to look like. And we're going to write this down. We're going to hold ourselves accountable on if this is right or not. It's tough because... I don't want to predict injuries. And obviously, if Starling Marte isn't ready for the start of the season, and I knock on wood with that, but he is coming off of you know groin surgery, and he isn't fully involved in baseball activities. He's doing baseball activities, but he's not a regular spring training uh, compart- component. Is that the right word? Spring training uh, participant. That's the word I'm looking for. What can I tell you? He's not a full spring training participant. So is it possible? that Marte falls behind and is on the IL to start the year. It is. I, I, we have to admit that it's a possibility. I don't want to predict that though. Like, I don't want to sit here and say, Hey, I'm putting Kodai single on the injured list just because ah, it's a prediction. So I, I put this roster together and that's not an excuse. It's not like, Hey, this is why I was wrong. If guys are on the IL, they're on the IL and there probably will be guys on the IL. Like there's going to be guys on the IL that none of us see coming. I hope that's not the case. But are you always going to come out of spring training completely healthy? That's the wish. That's the hope. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. So let's start with the position players because there are, I'd even tell you, 12 spots of the 13 that are locked up. I could argue that right now. And so the reason I say 13 is that I believe the Mets will carry 13 pitchers. Most of last season, that's exactly what they did. They carried 13 player uh, pitchers, and they carried 13 position players. That's also the maximum you're allowed to carry pitcher-wise unless it's a doubleheader, and then you've got the 27th man added. So you can't carry 14 pitchers. There's a rule against that. Personally, I wouldn't carry 13. Like I think the Mets could carry 12 pitchers, which allows you the flexibility of bringing an extra position player. And as you're about to see, That would be nice. That would benefit the Mets' flexibility to be able to have five guys off the bench and not four. So let's meet your 10 regulars, all right? Pete Alonso's making the roster there. There's number one. Jeff McNeil's making the roster. Francisco Lindor, Eduardo Escobar. Those are, in all likelihood, your four starters in the infield. Marcana, Brandon Nimmo, Starling Marte are your three starters in the outfield. You've got two catchers, and we'll start there. We'll debate a third, but two locks in Tomas Nito and Omar Narvaez. So that gets us to nine guys. All right, we're running out of spots. The 10th guy, the DH against right-handed pitching, is clearly going to be Daniel Vogelbach. That's 10, all right? Think about this. We're running out of guys. Literally, if if you believe me, that they will have 13 position players and they will have themselves 13 uh, pitchers, there ain't much spots left. So 
here are the locks for the bench. All right. Now, obviously, we gave you one with the catcher. So that's that's lock number one. Lock number two is Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham's a lock. He's on this roster. He's a right-hand hitter. He's an outfielder. The Mets don't have a lot of outfielders. The other lock is Luis Guillorme. Now, sit with me here. We are already at the limit, basically. We have one spot left. Think about that. We got one spot left. So now you start to say to yourself, who the hell is it? If Pete's right that Darren Ruff is not on the injured list and is on this major league roster, the game is over. It's Darren Ruff, and we call it a day. I don't believe that, though. I stand by what I have said for months to you. Darren Ruff's not going to be on this roster. Now, I do have a little bit of an out here with this injured list thing. Up the wrist is bad, IL. Maybe that's the case. I I do have the right, Pete, to say that that kind of counts as a victory in the Darren Ruff not being on the roster on opening day card, even though you could argue, but he's still there even if he's not there. You tell me. Yeah, you know, he's still on the roster. He just happens to be on the IL because of an injury. That that's not that's false narrative. Can't can't Okay, can't he's not that. he's not going to be on the 26-man roster, Pete. I am making that very very clear. He's not. I just I don't think he's going to be. So it comes down to this. All right, Evan, for the sake of this cuz the discussion on position players is very boring if he is. Cuz Pete, think about it. If you believe Darren Ruffs on the roster, the debate's over. Because none of those guys I just mentioned is not on the roster. Those are locks. Like, Luis Guillerme's got an option. He is not being sent down. He's the one backup shortstop. He's like, he's the backup everything in the infield. So Guillerme is a lock. Guillerme is a lock. The backup catcher is a lock. And Tommy Pham is a lock. That only gives you one extra spot, which is Darren Ruff. So you are going to make the point today, Pete. I basically did it for you. That that's it. Right, that's that's your position player roster, right? That's pretty. I mean, you pretty much nailed it. I mean, there's no wiggle room. There's one other name that I have, um, but I I don't see him unless Ruff gets hurt. But again, I, I'm not really putting that in there. It, 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 and it's not a young guy. It's not a rookie. It's not. It's not Beatty. It's not Alvarez. It's not Vientos. Before you say anything, I want to make something clear. I haven't made my prediction for the fourth bench spot because. I don't believe Darren Ruff's going to be on the team. So I'm curious if the guy you're thinking about is my guy because I don't believe Brett Beatty makes this team based on the roster we just laid out. I don't believe Francisco Alvarez makes this team. I believe that there are two guys who have a legitimate shot to take that last roster spot over Darren Ruff. And I have a feeling that one of the guys that I'm thinking about that I'm leaning towards is the guy you're thinking about. So the two guys I have competing for this last roster spot, one is Mark Vientos, who I think has got a shot to replace Darren Ruff as the right-handed bat at the DH spot. The other guy is not a DH candidate, all right? The other guy would basically make Tommy Pham the right-handed DH candidate. But the guy I'm thinking of would give the Mets speed, would give the Mets defense. The guy I'm thinking about, is Tim LaCastro. Now, who are you thinking about? I wasn't even thinking about him. I was thinking about someone that, <laughs> that was that's good. That makes a lot of sense. Makes a ton of sense, Mikey. Um, I was thinking D- Danny Mendick. Now, because I I understand now that's a surplus of infielders. There's a surplus of, you know, you have a, too many g- gloves. 
but he's not the DH, but just another guy if in case you need to sub in. I don't know if he plays outfield at all. I know he's more for an infield spot, but that's something is interesting about Mendick. They brought him in. Again, not offensively gifted at all. That's the the, the problem I run into with Mendick is he's played the outfield, but he's not an outfielder. And so I'm going to trust what uh, Billy Epler said a few days ago. He talked about defense, defense, defense. He said it's very, very important to be able to play defense on this team. And that's why I wonder about Mendick getting that last spot because he brings more infield versatility, which they're not really going to need if Luis Guillorme is on this team. It's just, I don't want to say it's redundant because they're different players, but it's redundant in terms of position availability when the Mets are not deep in the outfield. And think about this, Tommy Pham's on the team. He's the fourth outfielder, but Starling Marte is coming off of a groin injury. So even if he's ready and he's not on the IL to start the year, I'd imagine that they're going to be careful with him. I'd imagine that. And same thing with even Mark Canna. Like, is Mark Canna playing every, every single day? He didn't do that last year. Brandon Immo was healthy last year, but early in the year especially, you're going to want to give guys a blow. So I just logically think you would need another outfielder. And that's why I actually lean towards LeCastro because Mendick's an infielder. And my interpretation is that Vientos is going to play the infield. That Vientos' position is going to be first place, first base and third base. Now, Darren Ruff does play the outfield, which you would think gives him a leg up on this whole thing. But he's also not a good outfielder. And I'm trying to trust what Billy Epler said. Billy Epler said defense is important. Billy Epler made it seem, and again, I'm trusting what he said, how that's a part of a championship team, having guys that can defend. Tim LaCastro can defend. And quite frankly, in a world in which the bases are bigger and pitchers can only throw over multiple times before they're charged with a balk, aren't you going to want guys who can steal a base? Especially a guy that can come off the bench and steal a base. And so maybe this is my own personal opinion talking more than what I really think think they're going to do. I'd love for Brett Beatty to make the team. I just don't see an avenue here. I mean, I'd love to see it, but... I, I don't think they would do it. I don't think based on the way this roster is laid out, he's going to do it. Now, the way I would do it, if it was up to me, is Beatty plays a lot of third base and Escobar becomes kind of like the right-handed DH. But if that's the case, who's playing third base? Is it Beatty against the lefty? Is it Guillaume against the lefty? So I think from a lefty-righty split balance, they're going to want a right-handed bat. And so if they make LaCastro on this team, Fam is probably the right-handed bat to platoon against lefties with Vogelbach, and the Castro's your four, fourth outfielder. Like I think that's what I would view. So my official prediction is Tim LeCastro is going to make the team. You know he'd have to be added to the forty-man roster. I understand that, but maybe they'll stick Darren Ruff on the sixty-day IL. You know I don't know. Really bury him away. But <laughs> if Ruff doesn't make the team. I think that's what we're looking at. I think we're looking at Vientos of all the young guys with the best chance to make the team. But I think because of defensive versatility, my uh, last man on the bench, Tim LaCastro. I mean, listen, great case, not happening. It's going to be rough. They love him. <laughs> they they, they want to shove him down our throat. And that's the thing is, it's, it is to show that they made the right move. That's what it comes down to. It's someone being pompous and saying, I'm smarter than you. Darren Ruff is what we all thought he was when we traded for him last year. 
God, I, I hope that we are not still in that place where a general manager and a manager feel like we have to shove someone onto a roster because of a trade that was made, you know, nine months ago. That, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Now, one thing that can help change this is Vientos having a big spring training. Because I, I do think that Vientos is the guy. If if you're rooting for somebody to dethrone Darren Ruff, it's not Brett Beatty. It's just, it's just not. It's, it's a different kind of fit. It's not even Francisco Alvarez because I buy that they want him to learn how to catch more before he's up here. So if it's not Beatty and it's not Alvarez, the guy who could dethrone Darren Ruff is Mark Vientos. You need to hope he has a huge spring training. So one thing you've mentioned too, like Ruff may not be on the team. Maybe he has a good spring training and then they end up trading him. Is there anybody else off of this, you know, 40 man right now, offensively speaking, player position wise, that is a trade candidate? Like, hear me out here. Guillerme Mendick are kind of similar players. Guillerme, much better glove. We actually, know, and again, bats from the left side. Is is he a potential trade candidate or no? I don't know how much value Danny Mendick has, to be to be quite frank with you. I mean, maybe he's more of a depth guy in the system in case they have injuries in the infield. Now, what could change all this is the way you play in spring training. I mean, obviously, that's the game changer in all this. If a guy hits 450 and turns heads, that's the thing that can change. But I don't know, man, when you look at this 40-man roster of those guys we're talking about, not really. I mean, they're not trading Tommy Pham. They just signed him, nor can they. I was saying more more trading Guillaume. I I hate that idea, by the way. And I don't think they would. The the way Buck has talked about him and the way they put a premium on defense, it wouldn't make any sense because he is, especially with this new uh, gold glove they created, the utility gold glove, he's going to win that. And he deserves to win that. Like, he is a brilliant defensive second baseman, a brilliant defensive third baseman. Looks great at shortstop the rare times you stick him out there. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't. I, I think he's so good defensively. I haven't seen enough of Danny Mendick to to tell you what he is defensively. I only know he's a right-handed bat. He plays the infield. I can see his numbers on baseball reference. That's that's what it comes down to. Guillerme is special. So, no, I'd, I'd be annoyed if they traded him away. They just they don't have a lot of options right now. The the thing that would make it easier, I'm telling you, man, is if they carry 12 pitchers instead of 13. Because all of a sudden now, you could add that fifth guy. And that fifth guy to me, then I can make the case for Beatty. And I can find that bats for Beatty. Because I think it makes more sense. Right now, with only four guys on the bench, I mean, we just went through it. You got three spots already filled. And your fourth spot's probably the guy that you want to have either be the right-handed DH or another outfielder because Tommy Pham is the right-handed DH. Here's the thing is, we talked about just the, the position players right now, how tough it is to, to like find a, a space for someone to play. Dude, I don't know how you're cutting down the pitching stand. I don't know how you're cutting it down to, to, to 12. Right. So let's figure this one out. Yeah, I wish it was 12. It's going to be 13, though. I'm sorry. I'm I'm bitter about that whole thing. I just don't think you need 13 pitchers. You got five started. You need eight guys out of your bullpen. Do you really? And I know for anyone listening saying, come on, Evan, you're being a hypocrite. You talked about maintenance days. You talked about not pushing these guys too far. I stand by that. I still don't think you need eight relievers. I really don't. I, I don't think you need eight relievers. You also have to be careful. I know that 
guys have options that you can waste in a given season. They've got kind of five options before they're exposed to waivers. But even then, I just don't think it's necessary. I don't think you need that many arms. And if you do need an arm for a short period of time, you can carry a 13th pitcher. I just don't think you need to do it on any kind of consistent basis. But let's frame that argument. As you bring it up, Pete, how are we finding the arms in the bullpen? So, by the way, my official prediction is Tim LaCastro. Your official prediction is just Darren Ruff's making the team. I hate that, but yes. Yes. <laughs> and obviously, guy gets hurt on the IL, changes everything. I understand. Escobar's on the IL. Brett Beatty's making the team. You know, it is, it is what it is. So, we got the five starters. Very, very easy. Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, Kodai Senga, Carlos Carrasco, Jose Quintana. We got our five starters. We have five bullpen arms that are, to me, mortal locks. Edwin Diaz, David Robertson, Brooks Raleigh, Adam Adovino, Drew Smith. Of all of those guys I just mentioned, by the way, none of them can even be sent down to the minors except for Drew Smith. He still has options, but he's not going to be sent down to the minors. You know, barring, nah, really barring anything. I guess he would have to throw basically batting practice in spring training for the Mets to say, okay, he sucks. Let's send him down. He needs more seasoning. But those five guys, essentially, barring injury, are the locks to make the team. Now, keep this in mind. Only one lefty. And they're clearly not adding Zach Britton. It doesn't seem like they're interested in doing that because they don't want to have too many guys that are guaranteed spots. Like, if they gave Zach Britton a major league contract, there'd be six spots that are locked in instead of five. So you got five spots. That leaves three openings. Now, in my opinion, one of those openings needs to go to a long reliever. Now, who fits the long reliever category? David Peterson does. I don't think he'll be a long reliever out of the gate. I think he definitely goes to AAA and is ready to go first time the Mets need a spot starter, which could happen right away. Who knows? <laughs> you never know with injuries. Uh, Tyler McGill, I think Tyler McGill is going to be a starter again. I know we saw some glimpses of him in short relief. I think you they're going to stretch him out again, use him as a starter, which means he's at AAA. So now you've got, I'd say you got, I don't know if I want to include John Curtis as a long reliever. He's the guy coming off the Tommy John. So the real long, long relievers are... Elisa Hernandez, who they got from the Marlins. Jose Buto, who we'll all get to see Saturday night. He's pitching in the first home spring training game. I, I don't know how many, how much of us are going to see that. I mean, I'm going to be geeky enough to watch out how many people are. And then uh, Hoff's boy, Joey Lucas. I think they all fit that long relief category. Doesn't mean they have to carry a long reliever, but they certainly fit that. Here are the other candidates for the final three spots. You got Steven Nagosik, who's out of options. So I think right off the top, he's got a little bit of a leg up because if he doesn't make the team, he's placed on waivers and maybe he's claimed by somebody else. You've got Bryce Montes de Oca, who we saw a little bit last year. You got Steven Ridings, who I'm a huge fan of. Why? Because he's got red hair and he throws the ball freaking hard, Okay. We got Zach Green, who's got the leg up. He's the rule five pick from the New York Yankees. We got John Curtis, who we mentioned, and we got Jeff Brigham, who they brought in from Miami. I'm going to go. So I think Nagosik doesn't make the team. I'm going to start there. Despite being out of options, that doesn't make someone a lock to make the team. So I think he's exposed to waivers. We see what happens. My final three spots will go to, are you ready? Zach Green. 
Rule five pick, New York Yankees. I think he'll look impressive enough in camp for the Mets to say, we can't make the Darren O'Day mistake again. That was a long time ago, but Darren O'Day was a rule five pick of the New York Mets. I think he pitched one scoreless inning, and then they, I forget who needed to be activated. Somebody really crappy needed to be activated. And so they had to offer him back to his team. And Darren O'Day went on and had a really successful bullpen career. Uh, I even complimented Darren earlier this year when he announced his retirement. I said, there goes the guy with the lowest DRA in the history of the New York Mets. 0.00. So I think Zach Green makes the team. I think Jeff Brigham's going to make the team from Miami. And believe it or not, the other guy from Miami, Elisar Hernandez. I think he ends up being the long guy. I think Zach Green makes the team. I think Jeff Brigham makes the team. Now, this is a pure guess because I think a lot of these spots are going to come down to how guys look in spring training. And that's a pure prediction because let's see how they pitch. Jeff Brigham allows eight runs in his first inning. Maybe that'll hurt him a little bit. We'll see. I do think that I, I am most intrigued by Ridings. Ridings barely pitched for the Yankees last year. He was picked up off by, by waivers, but big man, throws hard, nasty stuff. I bet you he ends up going down to AAA and they season him a little bit. All these guys I mentioned, though, we're probably going to see at some point. Like, that's just the way it works. The shuttle will certainly be in play. But my three relievers to join the five of Diaz, Robertson, Raleigh, Smith, and Adovino, I'm going with Zach Green, Jeff Brigham, Eliasar Hernandez. And yes, please email with the correct pronunciation of Eliasar Hernandez. Eliasar? Eliasar? I don't know. All I know is he sucked last year with the Marlins, and now he's on our team. So those are my relievers. Hoff, where you at? All right, so I don't want to be redundant, but I think you're you nailed it with Zachary. They're they're gonna keep him around just for as long as they can. Hopefully he performs well. I do like Jeff Brigham. I think there's a reason why they brought him over. However, the third reliever, it's weird because we both agree there's only gonna be one lefty out of the bullpen. Yeah. Am I, am I right? It's it's there's no one else. Yeah. I think they've got TJ McFarlane, who's a candidate. And I should mention him because he's a non-roster invitee and he's got a history with Buck. Tommy Hunter is a non-roster invitee. Like there are right. other options I want to point out. I think the guys I mentioned are most 40 man roster guys, but TJ McFarlane is another lefty with a possibility. And, and these guys have histories with Buck. So they pitch reasonably well in spring training. Yeah. I mean, there's a chance they can certainly earn a spot as well. Steven Ryan is interesting. He's six foot eight. He's a huge Big dude. Man. But the guy that I I think is going to have the most impact, and again, there's a little puff piece on him, John Curtis. I think he's the guy. He's the long reliever that you're looking for. That's the guy right there. Uh, I think he, I know he had, he came off for what he's been away for two years basically for because Tommy John. But I mean, the last few seasons he was one of the more I won't don't want to call him elite, but he was up there as a a solid reliever coming out of the bullpen, I think he could really be somebody that the, the Mets can rely upon. The only reason I I didn't go with him, and I thought about him, and you're right, that 2020 year with Tampa Bay, he was unbelievable. He was one of those horses that um, uh, Kevin Cash referred to, is I wonder removed from pitching for a full season, and are they going to have him on a major league roster right out of the gate? I almost assume he'll be here. He'll get here eventually, but he may start off at AAA and then eventually work his way back to the majors, especially after missing a complete season. He was a a complete project one year ago. But look, that spot's interesting because I can make a case for all these guys. And even the guys I mentioned before, like TJ McFarlane and Tommy Hunter. Tommy Hunter is like a, 
a blanket for Buck Showalter. He loves Tommy Hunter. He's like a big, cuddly teddy bear that he likes having on that roster. <laughs> so you can't rule guys like that out. And to me, that's where things are really interesting in spring training. Because as we talked about with the position players, other than someone blowing people away, like Vientos specifically, having a huge spring training, the spots are pretty set. You know, it's going to be very difficult to change things. Pitching-wise, you know, you got three open spots. And I know that's not may not seem like a lot, but three open spots where it could be anybody. That, so it's really just a wild guess on who's going to impress Billy Epler, Buck Showalter, and Jimmy, Jeremy Hefner enough. But going back to the position player thing, because I do think it's depressing, but it's just a fact. For anyone out there that wants Alvarez to make the team, and I think we all do to a degree, Knowing the roster breakdown, how do you see that happening? Like, even in a world in which Darren Ruff is gone, right? They DFA Darren Ruff. And now that fourth spot is wide open for anybody. You think they're going to have another catcher make the team? Like, the versatility is where? You're going to have three guys who literally can only play one position in Nito, Narvaez, and Alvarez. That's it. Catcher a DH. So for a team that likes defensive versatility, I just, I got a tough time seeing that happen. Now, if they were only going to carry 12 pitchers and there were five guys on the bench, I could make a much better case for it. But if they're only going to have four guys on the bench, I just have a really tough time seeing it, which also worries me, Pete. If that's how we're going to feel in April and that's how we're looking at things on March 30th, when and how does it change barring injury? Now, barring a Tomas Needle gets hurt, which no one's rooting for, or Narvaez gets hurt, is there going to be a time this season where the Mets say, hey, Alvarez is ready. We're cool. We're going to DH him. We're going to catch him two times a week. Are they ever going to look at this roster and be comfortable with that? Because now all of a sudden, your bench features, let's face it, two guys. Because you got your two catchers, and then you got Guillaume and Tommy Pham. Like that, that's literally going to be your entire bench if you do come to this come to Jesus moment where Alvarez is on the roster. Yeah, unfortunately, they, they kind of put this in motion that once they extended Timo uh, Tomas Nito and signed Navarro, that Francisco Alvarez was not playing in 2023 for the New York Mets. I mean, they basically put that in motion. Be, right, as soon as those two moves happened, that was kind of it. Barring some sort of trade. And that's really what I think is going to happen. I think there is some sort of spring training trade that's going to happen with the Mets because there are a ton of names. I know you need depth. Don't get me wrong. I like the depth that they have. But there are a lot of players that are major leaguers. You look at you look at the listen, the Stevens started pitching wise. Go through all the people we talk about, the Tyler McGill's, the David Peterson's of the world. I'm not saying they're getting traded, but there's a lot of names there that could start for other rosters in the major leagues. Yeah. That part I may not disagree with you about. I guess I disagree more about the position player side of things. Like, I don't see any one of the guys we mentioned getting dealt. You know, other than Ruff, because I I stand by he's not going to be on the team. So, obviously, trading Darren Ruff or just sending him somewhere and paying his contract off or DFAing him, you know, that's certainly up in the air. But I don't see those other guys. Like, I don't think they're going to deal Escobar. I don't think they're going to deal Canna. I don't think they're going to deal any of the top prospects, obviously. Um, yeah, I, that I don't see. 
I really think, you know, because I've been given a thought about Alvarez on, okay, what's the end game here for this season? Now, long term, we know what the end game is. He's the catcher, right? But what about in 2023? I think at some point, Epler would bite the bullet and call him up and have him DH. Like, I think if we're looking at a world where they're not getting production out of the right-handed side of the DH, and even Vogelbach isn't producing from the left side, and they're not getting the production out of DH that they need, I think at that point, that's where Alvarez, Beatty eventually get the call. I think Beatty's road's a little different because if Escobar struggles like he did last year, it's easy. Call him up, and it could basically become a platoon. So I think Beatty's roadmap to the majors is twofold. I think he's got two ways to play, three ways to play. Canna really struggles, and Beatty could shift everyone over, as I mentioned last time. Escobar really struggles. Vogelbach really struggles. And all of that could lead to Beatty getting recalled and a chance to hit with Alvarez. A catcher gets hurt because forget a catcher struggling. It doesn't matter. Like if Tomas Nito doesn't hit, well, they're not going to caught him, not sending him down. Like he's the catcher, he's a defensive catcher. Same thing with Narvaez. Like, they're not getting rid of him. They just bought him. You know what I mean? So I think Alvarez's roadmap's going to be they get so little production out of DH. Epler bites the bullet and says, you know what, F it. Let's call him up. He's going to DH a bunch of days, and we'll still let him catch once or twice a week. I think that's the roadmap for Alvarez if there even is one for this season. Well, right. And here's the other thing, too. You got to remember, just because, you know, we're saying Navarro's and, and Nito as the catchers, I mean, if one of them does get hurt, because we saw McCann's injury last year, what? There's still Michael Perez, right? Is he still in? in he's an insurance policy. Yes, yeah. he's going to get called up first. We know that, so it, that's really <laughs> the only option is 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 for DH for Alvarez, and it sucks because it's the back and forth of do you risk bringing up Alvarez and stunt his growth as a catcher by keep just making him a, a DH? That's that's the debate. Yeah. No, I get you. I think for any Med fan who is rooting for a different right-handed DH besides Darren Ruff, the man you've got to root for over the next month is Mark Fientos. I think he is the road to Darren Ruff being gone. I think he needs a huge spring training, not only for himself because it creates an opportunity, but that's kind of the combination of things you need to end Darren Ruff's time with the New York Mets. To have a young player who's basically Darren Ruff, right? Mark Vientos is a right hand. I mean, he's Darren Ruff. He's a Darren Ruff who's a decade younger, essentially. And they don't trust him in the outfield. That's the only difference. They trust Ruff in the outfield. They don't trust Vientos in the outfield. You need him to have a big camp and eventually kind of take that mantle as the right-handed DH. But it's sort of crazy that there are not a lot of jobs on the line. You know, we went through it. I mean, there's no starting job on the line. You know, Eduardo Escobar is the third baseman. Any idea that there's a battle for third base? There's not a battle for third base. He's the third baseman. Mark Cannon is the left fielder. Uh, Marte's hurt and isn't ready. Okay. There's a battle for at-bats. But is there really? Tommy Pham will play. Luis Guillerme would play. And McNeil would play the outfield. Like, there isn't. So they don't have a battle position player-wise for any starting job. The rotation is completely set. Again, I knock on wood, barring any kind of injury. So. The really the lesson here from today's Rico Bronia, three relief pitcher spots, one bench spot. Unless you think Darren Ruff's making the team, then zero bench spots. Then the roster's already set. So I think our only difference is you say Ruff makes the team, 
I say Tim LaCastro surprises and makes the team. And pitching-wise, essentially we have the same guys, except I'm going Eliezer Hernandez, and you're going John, John Curtis. Curtis. There you go. That's All correct. Right, so we'll, we'll see how accurate we are. There is baseball this weekend. The Mets are actually going to play spring training games, and they sort of announced the rotation. It's, it's a little disappointing because I think the hope was on Saturday night with the first spring training game, we would see Verlander or Scherzer. We're going to see Jose Buto. We're going to see Denny Reyes start the first split squad game against the Astros. If I'm not mistaken, that game is not on SNY, but I think it's on the Astro telecast. So what we need is Rob Manfred to eliminate the blackouts. And then all you got to do is get the MLB package and you can see the Astro version. Uh, but in all seriousness, we do have the Saturday night game. And then Scherzer is going to pitch the Sunday game against the Nationals. On Monday, David Peterson. And on Tuesday, Jose Quintana. So that's your rotation for the first week. Two spring training games on Saturday, one on Sunday. On the next Rico that will record Sunday night, we'll have some fun with those first three games. Obviously, we're not going to go nuts about it, but we'll talk about what we saw. There was baseball. And maybe more important than, you know, Max Scherzer's two innings or Jose Buto's three innings or whatever else happens is getting to see the pitch clock and getting to see the bigger bases and getting to see baseball without the shift. So we'll give you a little, a little mini spring training reaction to the first couple of days. And then about halfway through the podcast, we'll be bored with spring training. That's essentially what's going to happen. We'll talk about the game. And then halfway through, in the midst of my excitement, you're going to hear this. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm bored. When is it over? But isn't that the story of spring training? So get set, get your popcorn ready. We got baseball games this weekend, and we will react to it on the very next edition of Rico Brilliant. We appreciate you listening. You can obviously email the pod at the Rico B at gmail.com. You could tweet at Pete Hoffman. You could tweet at me and uh, all have fun together because that's all it is. We're just a bunch of Met fans living in the world. That's all we are. We're all brothers and sisters. We should not hate each other. We should not call each other's names because we're all here for the same reason. The dream of seeing the New York Mets win a World Series. Amen. You can check me out with Craig 2 o'clock on the fan. Pete with Tiki and Tierney at 10 a.m. Thank you for taking time out of your day and downloading and then listening to Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. 